At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. Podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us. And if you're listening, it's you too. So welcome to the fam. I'm Alex Flanagan. I'm Addison Peacock, and Alex chooses a different word to make longer every time the intro happens. Yeah, the arc is like always different on that. Yeah. Um, and it's weird, which I noticed when I was uploading like the Patreon bonus content most recently, and like the word welcome is like really obnoxious. It's like, welcome! <laughs> and, like, that comes out of nowhere because there was no like pre show theme music or anything. It was just a lot. Oh boy. Um, and they, they paid for that, so. And they paid for that like a bunch of fools. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't no. mean it. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. Um, we love you all very much. My love language is gentle ribbing. Gentle <laughs> ribbing is my love language. Um, so I um, stumbled upon this particular cryptid while I was researching a different paranormal case, actually. Cool. Um, it has nothing to do with the original case except for being from a place with the same name, not even in the same country. But I was researching the Enfield Poltergeist, which a lot of people have heard of. It's it's the haunting that the movie The Conjuring 2 was based on. Uh-huh. And I was reading about it just because I'm obsessed with it. I think it's fascinating. Um, it's a particular haunting that's like one of the most uh, infamous hauntings of all time. And there's a lot of really interesting stuff to be said about it. But what I found when I was researching the Enfield Poltergeist is that there was an event in our very own Illinois in the United States, whereas the Enfield Poltergeist... Our very own, the one belonging to us. I lived in Illinois for a year and a half. I think I can... It's yours now. ...claim it. But um, Enfield Poltergeist was happened in, in England. So the fact that there are two places... I know two places crop up all over the place, but the fact that there are two that had any sort of paranormal activity was very interesting to me. But there was an incident in Illinois in the 1980s concerning a monster that has been nicknamed the Enfield Horror or the Enfield Monster. Okay. So I want to just go ahead and dive in. The Enfield Horror is really strange and bizarre, and I thought it was neat. And I would like to see a monster movie about it if... Anyone listening can make that happen. Thank I you. guarantee I will pitch at least three by the end of this episode. Sounds good. So I'm going to go ahead and dive in with a sort of an overview of the whole story from Brent Swanser or Swanser over at MysteriousUniverse.org. And this oh, is cool. recent. This is from 2016. So every so often there comes along a dramatic case of the strange that is hard to classify. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was not expecting a case of the strange. <laughs> Like, I don't know why my brain interpreted that as something other than what it was. Like A case of the strange. I understand it means, like, a like a strange case, yeah. but a case of the strange sounds like, I don't know. Like I got a case of the strange. Yeah, exactly. It's like you go to your, your grandmother and you're like, oh, this thing is happening to me. And she's like, sounds like you got a case of the strange. Oh, see, I was thinking it sounded like a euphemism for, like, attraction in a 50s, like, doo-wop song. Where they're like, oh, no. You know, girl, I got a case of the strange. And I, something, <laughs> or something like that, because they're always like, it's, yeah, it yeah, goes no, in, like, I the song it. Heat Wave. Anyway. Anyway, that's not what anyone came to this for. So here we go. In such cases, it is difficult to ascertain if we are dealing with a mystery monster, aliens, ghosts, or something else entirely. 
such as the case of a strange visitor that made its way to a rural community in the state of Illinois in the United States and proceeded to leave a trail of bafflement and misery in its wake. <laughs> not misery, mystery. Oh, because <laughs> I was like, those are two words I do not put on the same plane. I made a mistake. Stalking through the nighttime woods, the enigmatic apparition, which would hold a whole community in the grip of terror, is a prime example of either a bizarre cryptid, which we may never understand, or the profound effect of myth, legend, and hysteria on the human psyche. I also don't think terror belongs on the same level as bafflement. <laughs> there's like, there's gotta be a ranking for the intensity of adjectives as they refer to spooky situations, right? Like, mm -hmm. bafflement's like a tier one. Yeah. Mystery, like, is a little bit more ubiquitous. I would say mystery can apply up through, like, level three, maybe. Terror is, like, a four or a five. And misery, to... <laughs> misery is up there. <laughs> to be fair, I accidentally, unwittingly editorialized that word in there. Now, I want you to do, do something for me. We haven't done a rating in a very long time, but I want you to remember this little scale you've okay, built for yourself. I and I want you, at the end, to let me know what, what you think this okay, really sits okay. at on that scale of, like, I guess, on, on the creepy scale on the creepy cryptid scale. So, the southern part of Illinois was already long steeped in the bazaar well before the mysterious intruder came to terrorize the area. Early settlers often told of experiencing a wide range of strange phenomena here, including seeing strange orbs of light, shadowy phantoms, or frightening entities stalking the forests, and hearing bizarre howls, shrieks, or screams in the night. Ew. The region gained the intimidating nickname, the Devil's Kitchen. I like that one. What's he cooking up in there? <laughs> it was a place, maybe chilly. It was a place that has long been permeated with paranormal phenomena, and both settlers and Native Americans mostly avoided it. It was to this mysterious cursed land of specters, phantoms, and high strangeness that a sinister entity would emerge to maraud across a small town and earn its place among the most bizarre mystery monsters of cryptozoological lore. So that's the little intro. Bafflement's not sinister. This, I'm sorry, this is like... That would be like if somebody inconvenienced me and I was like, I, I don't know, like equating them with, with some of the worst, I guess, like tools of human misery in the world. Like that's not what that is. I've known some people at Starbucks who react that way, but that's not like that's those two feelings are not equitable. Mm -hmm. I apologize. Like I'm, I'm still going to go over a cold. So my brain is kind of not on the usual par of quip making, but the, the, the bot, like, the logic stands that bafflement is nowhere near any of these other words that they're using. This is... It's making it very hard for me to gr get a grip on, like, how I'm supposed to... Like, what the expectations are I'm supposed to be building for this thing. Am I supposed to be, like, kind of intrigued and, like, delighted by it? Or am I supposed to be, like, genuinely glued to my seat in fear? I don't know. I think... Honestly, you know, I think you can make that decision for yourself. But I can't. The context clues are all over the place. Well, would you like to hear about the sightings of this particular creature? This is one that's very interesting because unlike a lot of the things I've covered before, which were seen for like small windows and then popped up again throughout time, this particular thing has not been seen again or had any stories about it since its initial like burst into, okay. since it first burst onto the scene. There are an assortment of sightings from when this began. I'm going to hop over to cryptozoologycryptids.wikia.com. As opposed to the other kind. Mm -hmm. There's a picture, but I'm not going to show you the picture. I'm going to let the description speak for themselves until later. Okay. So there are myriad sightings. We are getting right to the action with this thing. So first of all, this is the very first recorded 
encounter or one of the first. Some of them are kind of simultaneous, but it was April 25th, 1973. Henry McDaniel was among the first to encounter this terrible aberration, the Enfield Horror. At about 9.30 p.m. that night, McDaniel and his wife had returned home and were greeted by their two children, Lil and Henry. The kids proceeded to tell him a tale about how some thing had tried to get into the house by scratching on the door. Shortly thereafter, Henry was alerted to a peculiar scratching sound at his front door. He expected to see a dog or a cat, but what he met instead was far stranger. What Henry found, to his terror, was a creature that had three legs on it, a short body, two little short arms, and two pink eyes as big as flashlights. It stood four and a half feet tall and was grayish colored. It was trying to get into the house. You seem like you're just, having some trouble. I, I, I don't want to keep like bringing up the same points over and over again because that's not enjoyable for you or the listeners. But like... These descriptions are so bizarre to me. And, like, they're so... I don't know. I cannot get a vibe on any of them. Like, it's a terrible aberration. Like, it's horrific, right? But also, like, it's... I, I don't know. Like, it just sounds like some weird sort of Neopet-looking thing. And I i can't wrap my mind around why anybody would describe anything's eyes as being the size of flashlights. Like, do you mean light bulbs? Or do you mean it has, like, rod-shaped eyes? I can't... I think they mean the beam. Like, the, okay. the round beam of the flashlight. Just based on flashlights some Flashlights are not standardized. There's no standard size for flashlights. Well, then I'll have to call up Mr. Uh, McDaniel and have him show you the flashlight he keeps at his house. Yeah, so you can thank you. judge it by that. I was going to say, the thing about the Enfield Horror is that it's, it's sort of like when you meet somebody and something about them rubs you the wrong way, but you can't really tell exactly what it is. And you're like, I don't know if this is going to be somebody who makes a lot of jokes that they think are funny and no one laughs at and they keep repeating it until people react. Or it's going to be somebody <laughs> like in, a, in an uncomfortable way, right. not in the charming, delightful way that you do it. Or if they're going to be the kind of person who like might be a genuine like physical danger. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, yeah, it's sort no, of, like, I get that. The like bad feeling, gut feeling response applies to a, a wide range of creepiness in people and i'm just wondering if it's the same for this particular maybe i mean i guess that would also sort of explain like the weird mad lib style (laughs) descriptions of this thing like okay i just i can't explain to you how weird i find it and i don't know why maybe it's just like the way things are lodging in my brain because i don't feel well but it's like its eyes being the size of flashlights is like so inexplicable and upsetting to me in a way that i can't verbalize (laughs) it's like if i were describing something to you and i said its arms were the size of car tires (laughs) Like, why would that... Like, yes, that does give me a sense of size, but not in any way that's helpful. Its head was the size of a microwave. Yeah, it's like, are you... Was it recti- Is there? There's a shape implied with, like, the things that they're talking about, and it's not useful. It had feet like the trunk of a car. <laughs> yeah. It's like, those things are not... Elbows like my grandma Doris. Like, it's a total non sequitur, so I can't tell if part of the horror of this thing is that it lives in, like, this Lovecraftian sort of way that like perceiving the shape of it is impossible to do form without form shape without shape yeah like maybe the enfield horror is so upsetting because it makes you perceive it in ways that are deeply just like yeah. confusing i'm I don't so know. sorry i'm so sorry i'm being informed now um via the the cryptids hotline they've just called me i'm being informed that enfield is a typo it's supposed to say eldritch horror eldritch oh eldritch that makes a lot yeah. more sense yeah that's what it i'm so sorry about that everyone um the podcast is canceled Although, hey, I would like to say that bafflement is starting to feel pretty apt. All right, I'm going to continue with Mr. Uh, Mr. Henry McDaniel's uh, sighting. It was trying to get into the house. 
Sorry, I'm going to say that the way it's written, which is all bold italics with an exclamation point. Yeah, no, I got the bold. You said it was bold. trying to get into the house. <laughs> Henry was completely mortified by the sight of this horrible apparition, slammed the door, and rushed to grab his 22 pistol and a flashlight. All and 22 of his pistols. <laughs> you know what I meant. His 22 caliber pistol. Thank you. Is that better? Yeah. His 22nd pistol. That one specifically <laughs> is the one for monsters. Are you quite finished? I mean, if I were, I feel like this episode would be kind of (laughs) dull. This is fair. Henry proceeded to fire on the creature four times, and according to him, when I fired that first shot, I know I hit. He just kept shooting it after he hit it the first time. The beast hissed at him. Most sources say it sounded rather like a wildcat, and proceeded to bound away in long leaps across the yard, eventually becoming lost to McDaniel's sight as it made its way toward the railroad and the cover of the trees. He asserted he had seen the thing cover 50 feet in three leaps. <laughs> it's a frog. It's a, what? Big eyes, lumpy skin, just a big, big frog. It's the real Loveland frog, man. We've been chasing the wrong lead this whole time. Thought I had my man this whole time. But also it sounds like a wildcat. <laughs> kind of. I'm disappointed that that description was so are, on point. How lumpy are the wildcats you see? <laughs> well... I don't know, it depends. <laughs> Roughly as lumpy as, like, a bowl of oatmeal. <laughs> its hissing was as loud as a tropical shirt. <laughs> that reminds me, I used to have a history teacher when I was in middle school who, when you asked him how long an essay should be, he would say, as long as a piece of string. Because that it could be any... So we would say, then, we would say, Mr. Bell, what does that mean? Yeah, I'm putting you on blast, Mr. Bell. I loved him. He's a great person. But, like, and we would say, Mr. Bell, what does that mean? And he'd say, as long as it takes... Did did Mr. Bell write this description of the Enfield horror? <laughs> he had a lot of fun folksy things to say. That's fair. He also um he also would say uh when people were talking during one of his lectures he would interrupt and say, "Well, your voice is reminiscent of a choir of angels. It is not Sunday." Uh, <laughs> wow. Um I also had a very folksy history teacher actually at one uh, point in my left. I got to have him for like 2 years in a row. It was Mr. Ryan. Um what was great. Uh, like his he had, like, a huge map of... He he himself was not, like, Irish in any... Like, I, he was not directly from Ireland, but he was Irish in the way that, like, a lot of people in Morgantown, West Virginia, are Irish, which is that they have Irish heritage going back quite some ways. And so he had, like, a big map of Ireland on one wall, and um, I think he also had, like, a Don't Tread on Me flag on the wall. But he was, like, an interesting man. Um, he prided himself on being, like, the the teacher that the administration forgot because he was, like, the only teacher that did not have a smart board, but he had, like, three chalkboards. It was, like, a weird thing. Oh, boy. Um, but, yeah, he frequently had all sorts of, like, great stories he would tell us. He's the one with the haunted cabin, actually. Yeah. You know, if you spend long enough teaching history, you just kind of become a part of it. Yep. I really do want someone to chart out, like, the folksiness of teachers in correlation with what subject they teach, because I feel like the least folksy are, like, the science faculty, because they gotta, like, stay ahead of the game, and then, like, the folksiest are the history teachers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. My most interesting two teachers in my entire academic career, Mr. Bell, um, the who was a raw vegan uh, Quaker history teacher, and then my, like, super communist Spanish teacher. Um, Amazing. Anyway, just reminded of Mr. Bell's as long of, as long as a piece of string. There was a history teacher at my high school whom I never had, but he was, like, a, a long-haired ex-marine hippie um, who periodically took off school to go to anime conventions. Wait, I love that. I'm so sorry. One more teacher anecdote. I did take my, the foreign language teacher at my middle school was the same woman for all the languages, um, like for Spanish and for French. And it was this, you know, all the languages, you know, like all the languages offered by school. And it was this, this amazing 
snarky, like in retrospect, utterly fabulous French woman named Madame Modisette. And she spoke in all these idioms that were very clearly like French idioms that didn't uh-huh. make sense when they translated to English. So I remember one of my favorite things ever is when people weren't paying attention in her class, she would snap her fingers at them and go, are you walking beside your shoes? Are you walking beside your shoes? <laughs> oh, that's excellent. I love French like, What is that? Madame, what does that mean? Also, one time I accidentally broke her lamp and I felt so guilty. But anyway, that's the story Were for Were you walking day. beside your shoes? <laughs> I guess I was. Uh-huh. Well, I that'll clearly, learn you. Uh, it will. Never walk beside your shoes, children. All right. So, Henry called the police. Okay, it's about time. Upon investigation, the state troopers discovered a series of scratches in the siding of the house, aluminum siding, um, and footprints that were very similar to a dog's, but having six toes instead of four. Two of the tracks were- Like a frog. (laughs) Yeah, just like a frog. You know, those six-toed frogs. Two of the tracks were four inches wide, while the print left by the third foot- the third foot was smaller. It has three, three, three. Yeah, legs. I remember that. Okay, don't look at the picture. <laughs> I, I've already seen. <laughs> Many on the police force were skeptical about what McDaniel had seen, despite having just received news of an attack on a small boy just thirty minutes earlier. A creature had ripped at the child's clothes with claws on its arms, while the talons on the toes had shredded the kid's shoes. I'm sorry, which toe? There were eighteen of them. <laughs> it has like. Are two arms it seems like like two arm appendages and like one leg appendage and it runs on all of them but like it must have like <laughs> reared back and clawed other with its arms and it also kicked out of oh its see foot. i'm not prepared for that i was <laughs> thinking like it runs on its three legs and like its arms are up here like it sort of sits up you know oh, yeah um but no that's worse it just how do you like gracefully oh, run maybe. on five limbs <laughs> I'm just imagining it just kind of, like, whirling about in, like, a Tasmanian double tornado of terror. Um, Only four of its limbs are on the ground at any given time, but which four is up for debate? (laughs) Oh, no. It just, actually, all of its limbs are around its circumference, and it just cartwheels continuously. Oh, no. So here's the thing. I'm going to show you the picture of it, and I want you to tell the people what you see. My favorite segment of the show, my favorite unofficial segment of the show, making Alex describe drawings to people who can't see them. <laughs> it's a lot. I don't know how often I succeed. But Uh-oh. That's a blank screen. I messed up. What did I do? Some things are not meant to be perceived. <laughs> you know, looking at this, I suddenly get why nobody could give me a clear picture of this thing. It's forbidden. So for the people listening and who can't, the people who aren't one of the two people who can currently see my yeah, phone screen. we do screen, an awful lot of visual gags on this show. Um, the, the screen I was looking at has gone blank <laughs> as if an error message is to be shown. And no, it's, it's because we can't perceive its form. It's true yeah. horrible aberration. <laughs> I don't know if I can continue this episode. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Because my computer on my phone just shorted out because it's not meant to see the creature. Yeah, certain things are not meant to be known by human eyes. It's literally not expanding anymore. There we go. It was you like not expanding the page. You can't know. Oh, I'm so sorry. Here you go. Oh, man. See, this is so weird to me because this does not look anything like any of the descriptions I have so Those far Those look like heard. flashlight-sized eyes. Okay, I guess. <laughs> Maybe. Not really, though, because, like, that's the size of the doorknob. It's further back, so, like, they would be smaller in comparison. They're, like, the size of hot Correct me if I'm wrong, but this particular picture, it kind of looks like an anglerfish. It looks a little bit like an anglerfish. Um, It's giving me a little, like, just generally shape-wise, like, silhouette-wise. It reminds me a little bit of, like, Kang and Kodos from The Simpsons. I was thinking, like, the Grinch. No. (laughs) (laughs) It's head. The sort of, like, arm situation is sort of, like... Grinchy, but it's sort of Grinchy, and but it's just like generally a, a sort of domed boy. <laughs> like there's not really a, a discernible torso, 
that head situation just sort of goes straight into body. A dome doe boy with hubcap eyes and Grinchian limbs. Grinchian. I love that. <laughs> um, huh. so- yeah, he's also sort of got like a weird lobotomy scar, and I don't know what that's about. <laughs> he's also got like bags on bags on bags under his eyes. Under and above his eyes, <laughs> and off to the sides. It's a lot to take in. They sort of bulge it's sort everywhere. Of as, as if they could like extend out like a proboscis. I think they might. <laughs> Um, I don't know what to make of There's any an episode of, that. of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, people who've seen it uh, will know what I'm talking about. There's an episode in the hospital with a creature called Der Kinderstadt, which its eyes like snake out from its face and form like little hands that like suck the life out of people, namely children. Namely, thank you. I was wondering where the kinder came into play. Um, only kids can see it. Mm. Um, oh, no, 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 I'm lying. Only dying, like, only sick people can see it. Only, like, people who are really sick can see it. I can see how you would get that confused. It's a children's hospital, Alex. Oh, no. Buffy's there with the flu. I'm just gonna tell everyone the entire episode. She's 16. She's a children. She's a children, I understand. Okay, so anyway, back to the Enfield horror. On May 6th, at 3 o'clock in the morning, Henry encountered the creature again. It came back for more, after having been roused from his sleep by the commotion from his neighbor's dogs. Once again, he saw the creature loitering about near the train tracks. <laughs> it was leaning up against the wall smoking cigarettes. I told it to scram, but he didn't move. <laughs> he started dealing weed to the neighborhood children. Um, anyway. Who were the only ones who could see him because they were dying. <laughs> you come into my house on the day of my daughter's wedding. This went on for several minutes until the entity casually bounced away into the night. Make- like, let's bounce, dog. Or, like, straight up bounced on its five legs. I think it bounced. Like, it... God. Like, with a with a degree of sprunginess. Hey, can I tell you something about this cryptid? <laughs> yeah. I hate it. Yes. Usually I welcome all of our children into the fold. <laughs> all of our beautiful monster children. Except the Enfield Horror, whom I hate. That's really close-minded of you. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna stay that I way. I think maybe you should take a second to think about accepting non-Euclidean geometry <laughs> and, like inconceivable ambulation. Just, like, accept it into your heart. No son of mine will ever exist in more than three dimensions. (laughs) McDaniel later said, I saw something moving out on the railroad track, and there it stood. I didn't shoot at it or anything. (laughs) Who said I did? (laughs) (laughs) It started on down the railroad track. It wasn't in a hurry or nothing. Then, after word of the Enfield horror had gotten around, people began to flock to the small town in hopes of seeing the thing. (laughs) They were also, they were very enthusiastic, but they were also intrusive. This prompted the local sheriff, Roy Poshard Jr., to warn McDaniel about keeping his mouth closed or he would be forced to incarcerate McDaniel. <laughs> they tried to silence him. They tried to uh, keep the truth from getting out. Two things. One, that's the most small town sheriff name I've ever heard in my life. Roy Poshard Jr.? Here for it. Um, secondly, what were those charges? Inciting something. Tourism? <laughs> Inciting tourism. You've made our town too gosh darn popular, McDaniel. McDaniel, McDaniel, you're Wait. under arrest for inciting tourism. Wait a minute. I'm Conspiracy a, yeah. with intent to... Boost our local boost economy. economy. I am doing a southern accent. This took place in Illinois. There's no reason for that. So, over the next few months, the crowds began to grow larger. With the larger crowds came increased alarm among the citizens of Enfield. Some were genuine monster hunters, while others were just hunters or (laughs) thrill-seekers with guns. Yikes. This is so much. This forced the sheriff's hand, particularly when he had to arrest five gun-toting hunters for shooting at a gray thing that ran through the woods. Maybe the real Enfield horror was gun violence. 
Thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> now, if you'll refer to the first slide. Okay. <laughs> Two of those hunters, Mike Mogul and Roger Tappy. I love these names. Also good names. Both swore that they had witnessed a gray monkey quickly move through the underbrush. <laughs> that's, that's, that has nothing to do with this creature that we've been talking about. Sheriff Poshard made numerous threats against Henry McDaniel, which it should be noted had no effect whatsoever. <laughs> you Wait, can't... now they're just describing like a sitcom. Ah, <laughs> oh, McDaniel, I'm going to get you one of these days. <laughs> McDaniel. I love this remake. Just you wait. I love this remake of Catch Me If You Can. Um, anyway. Except they both just stay in the same <laughs> town and nothing happens. Yeah, exactly. It's artistic. <laughs> it's great. So who, McDaniel was convinced that there was something very strange going on. Shortly after, once the frenzy of hunters and tourists had died down, four more people saw the Enfield horror. Did you think you were done with the sightings yet? Not yet, buddy. Not I hope one of them yet. is from the sheriff. I wish. That'd be an amazing kind of turn in his character, like a really good part of his arc. Mm-hmm. I'd love that. And Get then he writing. realizes that what McDaniel was looking for all along was not the Enfield horror. But the love of the sheriff. But just someone to come home to. They brought this your favorite picture back again. I'm hopping over to, I'm bouncing over to uh, the Cryptids wiki, our old friend. So I, uh, I love these pictures. There's some other really solid pictures of this. And one of them is pretty much just a picture of a gorilla with glowing eyes. Okay, so now it's a, like, now it's a, some sort of monkey thing. I, I, I'm not. Now I suppose it's some sort of monkey. Was that anything? <laughs> nope. Okay, just check in. So, the final eyewitness to this improbable creature was Rick Rainbow. I just, this is, this is an elaborate prank, right? No. This whole episode? No. Just, you're gonna, I mean, who is our, is, is Ashton Kutcher our guest this episode? Where is he? I don't do an Ashton Kutcher Ashton? impression, so I don't know what you think. What do you think Ashton Kutcher sounds like? Just a man. Just a man. A man Hi, with I'm Ashton Kutcher. Just a man with mischief in his heart and a twinkle in his eye. So I think you're talking about Peter Pan. Do you I, think Ashton Kutcher and Peter Pan are the same man? Addison? That's a story for another day. So, hey, look, I don't want to have to be the one to tell you this. Ashton Kutcher's not real. What? No. I'm sorry. No, no. He, if you believe in him, then he becomes real. If you clap your hands and believe in Ashton Kutcher, then he's real. If you stop clapping, Ashton Kutcher will die. Is that what happened? That's what, that's what <laughs> punked is. If you stop laughing, if Ashton stop Kutcher laughing, dies. Ashton Kutcher dies. Back to Rick Rainbow. The news director of radio station WWKI in Kokomo, Indiana. That's just what I imagine he talked like. Anyway, I appreciate it. He and three other unnamed individuals... Claimed to have seen a gray, stooping, five-foot-tall entity lurking outside an abandoned house not far from the Garrett and McDaniels' homes. Although they did not have nearly as close, or for that matter as harrowing, an encounter as McDaniel, Rainbow and his crew did manage to do one thing the others had not. Tape record the monster's disturbing scream. It was then that noted cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman arrived on the scene to investigate the eyewitness claims as well as the sound recording. Coleman also heard the haunting cry of the creature while searching an area where eyewitnesses claimed to have seen the thing. I traveled to Enfield, interviewed the witnesses, I don't know why that's his voice, looked at the sighting of the house the Enfield monster had damaged, heard some strange screeching-like sounds, banshee, screeching banshee-like sounds, and walked away bewildered. I was wondering why anybody would say screeching-like when screeching <laughs> basically nails the sound they're going for. Be but nice. I appreciate that. Okay, a little bit more about Lauren Coleman, and then I have one more eyewitness account. So, 
In the July 1974 edition of Fate magazine, Lauren Coleman and Jerome Clark featured the Enfield horror in an article entitled Swamp Slobs Invade <laughs> Illinois. Hey, that could be anybody. <laughs> yeah, actually, I think that could have been that could have been about any one grease ball just rolling up into the <laughs> yeah. He doesn't tuck his shirt and what a slob. I heard the Enfield monster doesn't wash his hair. Heard he doesn't pick up after himself, just French fry crumbs all over Cheeto him. dust on all of his fingers. On every single one of his, like, 36 toes. Um, so anyway, Coleman even chronicled discussing this intriguing, intriguing case with famed paranormal investigator, as well as best-selling The Mothman Prophecies author, <gasps> John A. Keel, in his book, Mothman and Other Curious Encounters. Man, this is just like cryptozoology celebrity corner. Mm-hmm. Wow, this, Lauren Coleman, John Keel. This reminds me of my exchange with Keel in 1973 when we were discussing now the new reports out of Illinois <laughs> from Enfield. You know what this reminds me of? A conversation that I had with, with, my, noted, uh, with my, my, my good friend, Mothman Prophecies author, John Keel. I don't know if you've heard of him. You he, may have heard of him. He wrote the Mothman Prophecy. <laughs> On April 25th, 1973, Mr. and Mrs. Henry McDaniel returned to their home and Henry had an encounter with a thing that looked like it had three legs, two pink eyes as big as flashlights, God, and short arms on a four and a half feet tall and grayish colored body along the Ellen N. Railroad tracks in front of his house. Years later, Coleman would contrast his Enfield investigation with another he conducted regarding a legendary creature that many assume was also from alien origin, a melon-headed monster known as the... Dover Demon. Another name drop for you. Yeah, right. <laughs> the Enfield Horror was my case investigation. It was much different than the Dover Demon, however, and was more like a combo phantom kangaroo, devil monkey, and swamp ape situation. That, that's not anything! <laughs> How many legs do these people think chimpanzees have? <laughs> Why is that the... I... By the way, the kangaroo thing comes about because in the dark, the kangaroo's uh, large tail can be mistaken for another leg. Yeah, with all the toes it's got on it. <laughs> Look, I, I'm actually I'm feeling a little bit better because I finally just placed what this episode is for me. What? And I think what this episode is, is this episode is like the nostalgic clip show episode of like the show in its final season. You know, when like all of a sudden guest stars are showing up out of nowhere for no reason. They're all like, yeah, I remember the time that we all, and then describes an adventure that happened like off stage, like in the continuity of the second season and it's like you know with my good friend John Keel who and like brings something else up and then the Dover and then Demon the, walks into the, the bar and they're like Dover Demon! And the sitcom audience loses their minds. Yeah right that's what this like whole scenario is Yeah that's true. And so they're just like pulling all of the characteristics of every other cryptid we've talked about so far and throwing it onto this thing I understand. I do however want to hop over to another another location Another location. Side note, the, the editor of this wiki did an oopsie, did an oopsie doodle and put in a picture from the Enfield Poltergeist case, which is not the same case, oh, not the same place, not the same anything. But anyway, uh, hopping over to Mount Vernon and hopping back in time. Come with me back in time, everybody. Come with which me. Which season is this? We're coming back to 1941 and 1942. Oh, man. In the sleepy village of Mount Vernon, less than 40 miles away from Enfield. There was a similar spate of encounters involving an anomalous leaping beast that terrorized the local populace and was, and was reputedly responsible for numerous animal deaths in the region. Eyewitnesses claimed that the Mount Vernon monster was vaguely baboon-like, hence the devil monkey analogy. Sounds like a drop bear. 
Sounds like a drop bear. Sounds like a drop bear. And able to leap 20 to 40 feet in a single bound. Yeah, that's definitely a drop bear. Oh, yeah. Gotta watch out for drop bears. While there are no reputable accounts of the creature coming from the 21st century, one cannot entirely count out the possibility that the thing is a long, slumbering, anatomical oddity that rears its head every so often to feed on animals and terrify locals. You just, you have to admit that possibility. (laughs) One must. Or, stranger yet, an E.T. that only stops by for a bite every so often when it's in this neck of the galaxy. This is like its favorite rest stop. He's like going on a business trip and he's like, oh, I hope it takes me by Earth again. I'd love to go to Enfield. Yeah, I love it there. Is that its voice? Yeah, that is. I feel like it should be like more like burbling and like Well, it is sometimes. Fluid. It's different every single time it speaks. Like literally every other thing about it. <laughs> Whatever this creature is or not. Oh, no, sorry. Or is not. <laughs> nope, no, I think you had it right. It has not been reported in almost 40 years. That, however, does not mean that it's not still lurking in the shadows of some old train yard, waiting to return to scratch on another door in the wee hours of the night. It's atmospheric. People like that. I like your Enfield, um, like, soundscape. It's nice. <laughs> so I want to hop over to a little bit more of a, uh, Skeptic perspective on the Enfield horror. Oh, have we not? <laughs> huh. Okay. No, you know what? No, just keep. That's fine. Keep going. No, like like a professional. No, I'm really. Oh, oh <laughs> you know, fine. No, that's really just. Just do what you're going to do. the thesis of this podcast. Do what you're going to do. Okay. Just, just go for it. Are we going to fight? No, no. Okay. University study. Let's talk about it. So <laughs> in 1978, researchers at Western Illinois University headed by David L. Miller investigated and analyzed the incident, publishing it as a case study in social contagion. Okay, that's interesting. The researchers found that there were no more than three first-hand reports that had subsequently been exaggerated by news stories and local gossip into an epidemic. According to the study, this is quote direct, In this area of Southern Illinois, it is not unreasonable to assume Mr. M or the radio news team had actually seen an animal. People we interviewed framed the recent events in these terms. Their accounts admitted the possibility that large dogs... Calves, bears, deer, and wildcats had been sighted. Some frames suggested that an exotic pet, such as an ape or a kangaroo, was the catalyst for the monster reports. Finally, some people tactfully suggested that Mr. M had a notoriously overactive imagination and had probably been shooting at shadows. In any event, we interviewed only one person who agreed with Mr. M's claim that he had indeed seen a monster from outer space. And then they don't... Give me any information about whomst saw the alien or agreed about the, the alien. Sheriff. Do you think it was? It was. He just wanted to be anonymous because he couldn't admit to that. Oh, you're right. Now, a lot of people tend to believe that it was a hoax to bring more tourism to the town, which makes me really confused about why the sheriff <laughs> really wanted to stop it. Or maybe he wanted to stop it because it got out of hand. And I should give a little bit of recognition to the fact that it's possible it was sort of a small town's attempt to bring in other people, bring in people to check out this weird oddity. It's not like that's a thing. It's not like that isn't a thing that small towns have been doing forever. You know what this whole, like, okay, with the added component of, like, the tourism hoax, you know what this whole thing sounds like. What? It straight up sounds like a Scooby-Doo episode. Like, the sheriff, um... The sheriff is upset because too many people are coming into the town, and so he starts dressing up as this monster to, like, scare people away from it. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Miller sees it, and it starts bringing in more and more people, and so the sheriff gets angry, and he's like, no, I'm gonna put you in jail. And, like, the monster comes back to try to scare off more people, but it just keeps bringing in others. And so, like, eventually a group of teens comes to town and, like, is investigating it. And, and they unmask they, it, and it was the sheriff it was the, the sheriff whole time. The whole time. Sheriff! 
That explains why he didn't want any more people coming to this town. You were worried they'd find out your dirty secret. <laughs> what were you hiding under the train tracks, Sheriff? My secret. Cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of anything that wasn't sexual. Oh. I was like, my mistress's home. Like, what? The apartment I keep for my mistress. What's this Under voice? The <laughs> Under the train um, Honey, you can do better. A man's got his secrets, Alex. Yep, I understand. She can do better. Get her out of there. Help her, please. I didn't mean to accidentally spread libel about a real-life sheriff from Southern Illinois. Uh, no, by this point, we were definitely talking about the fictional sheriff in our Scooby-Doo episode. That's true. So I actually also, in my pursuit of information about this, came across an entry written by Lauren Coleman himself. Very cool. So this is a little um, like blog entry on Cryptomundo.com entitled Enfield Monster Memories and Murder, hosted by Lauren Coleman. So, oh, and the illustration, by the way, that I showed you before, this isn't colored in and it's credited to American Monsters. Okay. See, with the full thing now, it's making a bit more sense in my brain. I still don't know why anybody would look at that and think, gorilla? Where's its third leg? It's just got two. No, no, no. I feel like the other one is out of... This one's like... The third one's like a base? Yeah. It's (laughs) It's like like a a, tripod. It's like a base upon which the thing, like, spins. I hate that. pivots. (laughs) Hey, Alex, I want to propose something to you. What if it doesn't walk with its legs, but it actually walks with its tiny toes? Like a little, like... like It ambulates like like a little, like, centipede on its little toes. Oh, that's horrible. I was going to suggest to you that maybe that third leg that comes straight down is like its pogo leg. And, and it so bounces. it bounces on that one and the other two are just like stabilizing for when it's standing still. <laughs> I like that better. Then it moves. Then my philosophy that it possibly uses its little claws to move like the weird baby spider in Toy Story. Mm. Okay, anyway, this is uh, Lauren Coleman's little intro or little entry. And I liked this one a lot. He says, May 6th is one of those anniversaries that creeps into our consciousness, as it is mainly recalled as the peak date of the Enfield Monster Mania. Sir, Mr. Coleman, with all due respect, I think it's just you who celebrates that anniversary. (laughs) And really, who amongst us has never thought of May 6th when it rolls around? No, it's never gotten to May 4th. It's like, oh, may the 4th be with you, haha. And then May 5th is kind of nothing. And then it's like Cinco de Mayo. And then you're like, get me up on May 6th. And you're <laughs> it's like, like nothing. It's yeah. like Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, well, the more important holidays the next day, yeah. you wake up May 6th and you're like, today, on this day, the Enfield Monster. Anyway. It's actually, unfortunately, the reason that Cinco de Mayo is so underappreciated is because everybody just spends the whole dang day thinking about Enfield Horror Day. Yeah, everyone keeps thinking about how Enfield Horror Day is. They're like, it's Enfield Horror Eve. Yeah. (laughs) And everyone's like, what about Cinco de Mayo? Doing their, nope, nope, doing their last minute Enfield shopping and... Putting up all their weird gray lights in the windows and... It was the second and last time that Henry McDaniel saw the thing that haunted that Southern Illinois many, many springtime days ago. I was reminded of this recently by an old MacArthur High School classmate, Dave Wooten, who only lately discovered I was the guy behind the initial investigations of that drama in Southern Illinois. That he had some personal and physical links to the memories of the events back then surprised me. Dave writes, Do you know I was there and didn't know you were on the case? My uncle Cash Wooten was, for a time, game warden and county commissioner there. Cousin Ron is now commissioner. My grandpa Garwood lived in Enfield just up from the tracks. I remember my aunt would not leave her windows open at night. Dave is a photographer of some note, this is a parenthetical, and took a series of images in Enfield recently and will be forwarding some over this summer. I will display them in the museum. It is a small world. I'm so angry because you made that horrible joke about this being an it thing where like it cycles back around, but like straight up this same group of adults is going to have to end up in the same small town facing down against the unimaginable horror of this one like very easily scared off monster. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
Um, also, if you're wondering about uh, the identity of the young man whose shoes were attacked, his shoes were viciously attacked, oh, yeah. a young man, Greg Garrett, had the incredible distinction of having his tennis shoe-covered foot stepped on by the sort of kangaroo-like, ape-like thing. And then the rest of this is pretty much just reviewing of the, uh, there we go, reviewing of McDaniel's sighting and then continuation of his stuff here. I did travel to Enfield. I interviewed the witnesses, looked at the siding and air conditioner damage of the house the Enfield monster had attacked, heard some strange screeching banshee-like sounds, and walked away bewildered. I wrote up my notes on the accounts for articles like Swamp swamp Slobs Invade Illinois, say that five times fast, in Fate Magazine, and in my subsequent books. Within the context of the mysterious American name game, the family McDaniel would be highlighted two years ago in John A. Keel's Mothman Prophecies. The McDaniels would be one of the focal points of the Mothman stories. Da-da-da! It's all connected. You, I wasn't kidding. You weren't kidding when you said this is like all the guest stars in yeah, one episode, Yeah, no, this right? is the, it's the clip show I was, episode. I was losing my mind as I was like reading this and seeing all the names that popped up as I was going through it. Also, side note, and here, here we go. Here we go. Some breaking news update has arrived, a historical note. Mm. And this one makes me feel bad for laughing about the thing I just talked about a second ago. Um, breaking news update has arrived. Dave Wooden's 80-year-old aunt is still alive. When asked by Dave, where is Greg Garrett these days? She answered, Greg Garrett is dead. Oh. Yep. He was the last, like, I think one of the last surviving witnesses of wow. the Enfield monster, but I don't think there are any left now. And that was it. So, and then he just plugs all his all his books and stuff as his, his right to do on his website. And that's pretty much the end of the Enfield monster slash the Enfield horror. But was it the end of the Enfield, the Enfield horror? We'll find out in another 30 years. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> Actually, well, how long has it been? No, because now it's been over 30 years since these last sightings. Right. It would have come back at this point. It's probably dead. It probably died when McDaniel shot it. Unless. Unless. It moved. It's somewhere else now. Oh. It keeps hopping over from county to county because it wasn't Mount Vernon. <gasps> it wasn't Mount Vernon. And then it's hopped over from Enfield to somewhere else. Who knows? Who knows where it could be? Could we may never find it at this point. It could be my old stomping grounds in Bloomington. Yeah. Or maybe um, his space job, like he had a lateral transfer and he doesn't work in this department anymore. Is it a perennial monster or is it an alien on a business trip? It can be two things. Um, okay, so toward the beginning of the episode, you asked me to keep in mind yes. my like sort of pyramid rating scale, and you did come back to it. And so now, having learned what I have learned about the Enfield horror, um, I it's a little bit embarrassing. I do have to take my foot out of my mouth and say that I recant what I said, because I do now understand that it is both baffling and miserable. <laughs> Stop bringing back my verbal typo. <laughs> I messed um, up. It's okay. No, I'm just saying that I now understand how those two can exist on the same tier, and I am willing to eat humble pie on that one because it's both of those things. Is your humble pie made of feet? I don't understand. Just the toes. All 36 of them. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's fair. So what would you what would you give it now? Baffling and miserable. Yeah, but what number is that? Well, I think see well, and I have to I have to call into question everything I thought because I was placing them on different tiers originally, but it exists on both of them. It straddles the dimension like some sort of horrible gateway. Time to rethink everything. Yeah, I guess maybe it's not a pyramid scale. Maybe it's an upside down ziggurat and he's hanging off of the misery tier and his like little feet are kind of kicking it at bafflement down there. As people in charge of pyramid schemes often like to say, it's not a pyramid, it's a reverse <laughs> funnel. Oh. 
I really did want to say also, this thing seems to me as if it is perhaps vaguely friend-shaped, especially if it has a pogo stick for a leg, I think. I will personally. not be befriending this boy, but you do what you wish. <laughs> no, I just wanted to test your to test the waters about if you think there's any sort of circus act potential with him. Oh, absolutely. That's going to about do it for the Enfield Horror. I think we went on a very interesting, uh, strange, uh, wibbly-wobbly journey with that, and... Um, I don't have any specific, like, donors of the tier that requires a mention by name on the show, but I want to give, like, a general shout-out to the absolutely bonkers uptick we've had in support since the in- introduction of our uh, new Patreon-exclusive miniseries. Yeah, so we have a new Patreon-exclusive miniseries entitled Horror Borealis, um, which is a Monster of the Week campaign taking place in the fictional town of Revenant, Alaska. It's been a lot of fun so far. We had a lot of fun playing, and we've gotten some really great feedback from you guys who have listened to it. So first of all, thank you so much for that. Thank you for believing in us enough to want to subscribe to listen to us play tabletop games. Seriously. Um, I apologize for the audio quality on them so far, but uh, it's apparently listenable, which is good to know. We're learning. We're learning, and um, I'm really, really just delighted by what it's become so far. Um, So thank you for that. I would love to keep hearing your thoughts about it. Um, Let us know what you love and don't love about it. I can't promise that we'll get better at the tabletop game, but I can promise that we will listen and try. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Yeah, it's like, seriously, the response to that has been so overwhelmingly, like, good and nice and exciting and... Yeah, and it's great. It's been delightful. And it's nice that, like, we can plug our own project here on this other project. That's, like, the bonus, right? We didn't have to pay for this ad space. Um, But it's it's great. Um, I... I am the the keeper or the GM in that situation, and it's been so much fun just getting to play with Addison and Andrew and Tim and, like, really explore this, like, sort of weird monster-infested world and uh, just, like, explore this sort of loosely improvisational group role-playing situation. It's, it's a lot of fun, and I think that you guys will enjoy it, too. So thank you for joining us on this journey. Yes, thank you so much. And also a quick merch update. Uh, we'll be adding buttons to the Etsy store, uh, so you'll be able to check those out. They're the same design as our T-shirts. Mm-hmm. Um, super cute little Mothman. You'll see them. Uh, those should be up in the next week or so, and they will be available for your purchasing needs. I don't know. Um for your purchasing needs. Um, we need you to purchase them. <laughs> for our per- need for you to purchase the buttons. For our your purchasing needs. Um, exactly. Anyway, anyway um, I think that's about going to do it for us, unless you have any pressing announcements, any dog updates. My dog is great. Thank you. Um, just, I guess, my one last announcement is, um, I love you, <laughs> listeners. Thanks. You always gotta one-up me, don't you? No, it's just, my brain's not. Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) Hush now. Everything is fine. We saw The Shape of Water and it was lovely. We did. It was Um, nice. I cried a lot. It's fine. She did. Cry a lot. I did cry a lot. So anyway, um, as always, we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there.